Welcome to Chatterbox Hub. This podcast aims to be a go-to resource for insights, advice and engagement with all things audio and not only. I'm Yulia Stancheva and I will be your host in this episode. In this podcast, we will talk about the process of setting up a home recording studio with the pro sound engineer Mikus Nanazi, with whom we'll talk about gear, room acoustics and isolation, and all the essential stuff that you need to know before you make the first step towards your home recording setup. I also have two more guests in this podcast, and they are the award-winning voice actors Mark Rice and Katie Flamman, who will talk about their own journey of building a home recording studio. How to start a home recording studio from scratch? What is the most essential studio setup and equipment? A good microphone and headphones, preamp interface, recording software, and a powerful computer to use for your recording and editing software. To help me elaborate on all that, I have invited to my virtual studio an awesome sound alchemist, Mikus Nanazi, an Alchemy Post and Chatterbox Voice's very own sound engineer. When choosing the best microphone, what do you have to take into consideration? A microphone that doesn't pick up the room reflection, a microphone that suits your tone and obviously your budget too. Yeah, so there are obviously there are different types of microphones and you can uh, go for a condenser microphone or you can go for a dynamic. It also depends on what you're doing. Say you're just recording podcasts and that's all you're going to do and it's all on the fly, it's not really scripted. Then, I mean, a dynamic microphone is probably quite good for you because you're not really necessarily looking for the best of the best quality and they're easier just to set up. Um, and the room isn't doesn't need to be treated as as much. However, if you're go, if you're going to be doing kind of scripted stuff and the quality needs to be um, up there, then you're going to want to go for a condenser microphones. They take there are various kind of different um, price ranges between those, and they you know they can start from a hundred pounds to you know thousands and thousands and thousands of pounds. Um, however, I do think when choosing a microphone, there are diminishing returns on how much you spend. And I usually find that around, you know, around a thousand pounds is probably where you kind of can stop um, because the, the returns that you, you get after paying that sort of money is that it's not worth it. The main thing that changes with different microphone price brackets is the noise to gain ratio. This is the amount of noise or hiss that you can hear. Usually the more expensive a microphone is, the less noise there is. As the price goes up, it's less about the noise and more about the subtleties and characteristics of the microphone, all of which are very subjective to each individual. Surely there are a large number of microphones and the technology has progressed so much in recent years that you can get quite a good sounding microphone for a relatively good price. Like the one that I have is Rode NT1 and uh, I find that it does a very good job. Yes, you are correct. So yeah, you can get um, some some good microphones for uh, for for good prices actually. So yeah, um, the Rode NT1 is quite a good microphone. I know they do the Rode NT1A, which I think you might have as well, um, and they're both really really good. And there are lots of USB microphones around at the moment, um, which are really easy to set up. And I know uh, I know Rode do one, and I think Audio Technica do one as well. Those are those are good microphones to kind of start off with, and if you want to obviously lower the budget and you don't want to pay for an interface or a preamp, then you can always go for the USB ones. If you're just recording vocals for a podcast or singing over a backing track, you might find that a USB microphone is just enough. 
With a USB mic, you just plug the mic straight into your computer and hit record in your recording software. But let's see what the sound engineer Mikush thinks about the advantages and disadvantages of using a USB microphone. Having a USB microphone is good for kind of on the go as well. So that, that's that's one kind of good uh, good aspect to it. Um, the, the other good aspect is... Um, that they are relatively cheap. Yeah, that's the main two kind of uh, benefits to them. The downside is is that you can't really upgrade bits and bobs or, or parts of your studio because the audio uh, interface and the built-in preamp is within the microphone. You can't then just add, um, you know, okay, I want to upgrade my preamp or I want to upgrade my microphone. It's all in one. I, I don't think the quality that you get from the, the USB microphones are on par with having a kind of a separate um, preamp and microphone. So do you choose a microphone based on the room you're recording? For example, if you can't read the room, is dynamic microphone the most usable one? As condenser microphones actually reveal all the flows in your room. So essentially you have to treat the room. Having a dynamic microphone will help with the, uh, the issues with the room to a certain point. Um, but then you obviously sacrifice the quality of not being able to have a condenser microphone. It will help, um, but if you can, obviously try to treat the room. And that, I would say, is it is the most important thing out of, out of all of kind of setting up a home studio is getting the room as dead and isolated as possible because you can have, you know, thousands and thousands of pounds of equipment. But if you don't have a good room, it really doesn't show. <laughs> The space where the recording is captured is by far the most important part of being able to successfully record clean audio. You can have the best equipment in the world, but if the space isn't up to scratch, then it's useless. The focus of the space can generally be split into two parts – room isolation and room acoustics. Room isolation is the isolation from the external sounds coming into the room, such as airplanes, traffic, birds, household appliances, people, basically anything that makes sound. The acoustics of the room are extremely important. Even if you have good isolation from outside sources, if the acoustics of the room aren't great, it won't matter. There are cheap and creative ways to overcome the reverberance of a room. Let's explore them with Mikush. The noise coming from outside is unavoidable and unpredictable if you don't have a soundproof booth. But if you can't build yourself a vocal booth, how do you choose the right room to record your voiceover? And how do you treat the room to keep sounds from the outside world out of your mic as much as possible? What uh, do-it-yourself acoustic treatment can be used, like curtains, blankets, acoustic panels? When kind of looking at the room, there are sort of two ways, or well, two, two things to look at. There's your room isolation, and then there's your uh, sort of, we'll call it room absorption, or kind of uh, dampening of the, of the reflections within, within the room. Isolation is probably more difficult because, um, you're, yeah, you're trying to stop the outside world coming in, um, and that that can usually be quite loud. Um, however, if you've got a basement, that's quite good, or any sort of like isolated space, sometimes under the stairs, although obviously no one can use the stairs when you're recording. If you live quite high up, those can be, that can be quite good as well. Although if you're on a kind of flight path, 
then you're a bit buggered anyway. Uh, and that kind of gets you away from the outside world. Then even if you were, say, in a basement and, you know, you've, you're have completely isolated from outside, you can't hear any of that, if your room has it isn't treated, then you're going to get uh, reflective uh, sounds You're go you're, and it's not going to work. So then there are kind of a multitude of different options that you can go with here. So you can put like a room within a room. So that means that you buy, you could buy kind of a, a, a set, a, a pre kind of built VO booth. Um, they're quite expensive, but they are going around and you can just kind of shove those into a room and then off you go. Those are already pre-treated with the panels already treated. Um, or you can kind of makeshift it and you can kind of get the uh, acoustic panels and start putting those in. You've probably seen these kind of, uh, these acoustic panels that you see, uh, these foam panels uh, that people use, and they'll just stick those to hard surfaces. And they're actually not that great and they don't really work that well. And what I found over this kind of, uh, this, this period in our lives <laughs> uh, where everyone's been working from home is that, just the the duvets themselves are, are so much more effective. If you buy three or four duvets and you layer those up and then um, fix those to 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 the walls, ceilings, um, and basically every single part of the uh, of the room, uh, the sound is completely dead. It's and it it sounds it sounds absolutely fine. And and also so what what other people have also used are kind of kind of PVC plastic piping that you'd get for like sort of like uh, plumbing. And just buying that, creating a sort of a shell so we, or, or a frame and then draping the duvets over that. And that has allowed them to kind of uh, have something that's also temporary. So they can just set it up whenever they want, throw the duvets over, start recording. And then when they're finished, they can take it, they can take it down very quickly. Got kind of a, a pop-up booth in a way. What is your opinion about setting up a um, home recording studio in your closet where you have plenty of uh, clothes that can actually work as uh, acoustic panels? Yeah, it works. We've had we've had great results. We've also had bad results as well. Um, and that's because because some people's cupboards, even though they might have loads of clothes in them, the walls are quite hollow behind. So they will start to... Um, reverberate and you'll actually hear a boominess um, and that's because it's acting like a drum so it kind of depends on the walls inside of the cupboard uh, so if you've got you know if it's quite quite a hard wall uh, or there's no sort of kind of big void behind the wall then that can work and also there are things that we should certainly avoid like recording in our bathroom <laughs> yeah i mean yeah unless that's the sound you're going for then go for it but um bathroom uh, yes avoid bathroom if possible And also rooms uh, which don't have carpets. Yeah, carpet does help a lot. But again, throw a duvet down, you know. <laughs> Duvets are a game changer, is what I've learned in this, uh, in this time. Basically, simply hanging a duvet around a microphone or placing the microphone in a closet. Also, finding an unused void within a room and placing relatively cheap sound absorbent panels up can deliver great results. But don't forget that if you're stuck in a small confined space, this would restrain your movement, as we know that we actors get physical when we act. We all love moving hands a lot during a voice acting performance, don't we? <laughs> Noise, loudness, reverberance. What else do you have issues with as a sound engineer when you receive a file that has been recorded at someone's home recording studio? Ah, okay. So most of the time, it's usually that That there's quite a lot of hiss or, or call it noise so that that's something that we get and that's usually because 
the gear that they, that's being used is a bit cheaper. And that's sort of a benefit of having more professional gear is that you'll you'll have less of that noise. You know, so that's so but we have tools to remove that noise. So that that's something that we deal with. Sometimes sometimes people sending in stuff that's recorded too low or, or too too hot. So it's clipping. Those can be issues. But that's mostly uh, mostly what we get uh, for, for, for dealing with stuff that comes from uh, outside the studio. Mic preamp audio interface. How to choose the right one? Right. So this is a lot. You've got a lot more uh, kind of flexibility with that. I, I wouldn't say they matter as much as the microphone. So you can get away with it. If you're using a dynamic microphone, say you're using um, an Electro Voice RE20, Um, that's the microphone that you see Fraser use uh, on the series Fraser in the beginning and the intro. So kind of like a broadcast mic. So if you're using that sort of mic, they need a lot of gain. Uh, so if you're using a cheaper interface, trying to get that gain out of a dynamic microphone can sometimes be quite difficult. Then having a a more expensive, um, better interface with a better preamp will gain will will get you better results. For the for the condenser stuff, you're pretty much okay. But try to stay away from the more craft stuff. I know everyone uses the um, Scarlet sort of like a uh, solo, and actually they're not bad. They're not bad at all. Um, they're fine, um, and you can start upgrading. So the stuff that we use here in the studio, um, we're really big fans of RME. That's kind of our uh, sweet spot in sort of kind of spending money, but not too much. So I know there's, I think RME do like an RME Babyface and an RME UC. Really good preamps, really good sound, and uh, not kind of extortionate, extortionate money, but um, re- re- yeah, really good sound. And if you need to travel and still be able to record from your hotel room, what recording equipment would be the best to take with you? You're, you're, you're probably better off than just taking a USB microphone. But when you're looking at those microphones, these USB microphones, make sure that they have a jack kind of sort of like output on the microphone. Because what this will allow you to do is have direct monitoring, which means you'll be able to listen to yourself without delay. Um, some of these USB microphones don't have that, which means you can't hear yourself when you're speaking and that can throw you off. And I know lots of voiceovers like to hear themselves. So when going for these USB microphones, make sure that they have a uh, direct monitoring uh, on the microphone and that you can put the headphone uh, jack into the microphone. There are many digital audio workstations out there. Pro Tools, Audacity, Adobe Edition. What does the voiceover need to consider before choosing a recording software? There are industry standards. So obviously we use Pro Tools here. And also that means that we can share sessions with other studios very easily. If you want to do editing and stuff like that, you can get away with kind of a, I think the Pro Tools light version. You can, you can get away with Audacity. Although I know you know yourself, um, Julia, that editing on Audacity is a bit of a pain. It is. <laughs> yeah. It's not great. I, I found myself getting frustrated with Audacity. However, if it's just going to be a thing here and there, you know, and you're just going to send the audio off to some for someone else to edit, Audacity's fine. But yeah, if you're going to be doing complex edits, I'd kind of move away from that and look at some other doors. If you're going to work with picture and you're going to do that yourself, then make sure that your your door handles picture. And I can't think of any that don't other than Audacity. Um, but if you're looking to be able to share your sessions with studios, then having Pro Tools um, is, is quite a good thing because you can just send a session to them. Back in the old days, there was only one way to connect studios remotely, and that was using ISDN. Things have changed dramatically in the last 10 years, and now with faster internet speeds, it's relatively easy to connect to a studio. What options of remote recording does Alchemy Post Studio offer to your clients? Right. So, I mean, we pretty much offer everything 
apart from ISDN now, because we've moved away from that. I've really been looking into this massively um, with kind of remote recording for the last three months since uh, the pandemic. And I, I can, I pretty much think I've researched and looked into every single piece of uh, software or kind of remote recording um, platform out there. We, you know, we, we've used IPDTL, SessionLink. There's, there's a time we've tried them all. And what we have found is that whenever we are using the browser-based connections, such as SessionLink Pro, um, Source Connect Now, IPDTL, um, all of them using the Opus codec, it depends on the day, right, whether or not they work. Because you can do a test with someone and then the next day you go to do the recording and it's all over the place. So something that I would urge voices to use is Source Connect uh, standard and to get that up and running. From the start of this crisis, you have been educating your voice actors about the engineering and what they need to do to work at home, the recording space they are in and all the sound issues that you as engineers have to deal with in professional recording studios. What are the most common questions and issues actors come back to you with? Most of them kind of say, uh, oh, I'm, I'm getting a, um, I'm only getting it recording on one side. And that's usually because they're recording a stereo track and not recording a mono track. Uh, so when they, when they export, they get a track on one side and that's, that's quite common. A common issue. So another one is obviously, uh, it's, it's sounding like it's, it's, it's boomy or echoey. That's because they haven't treated the room. So if you, if you haven't treated uh, the area around the mic, then you're going to get that sound. I'm sure that all the actors have been very grateful for your help. Yeah, no, it's, it's been, uh, it's been, it's been my pleasure helping them out. Yeah, I know it was, it was tough for everyone. We're always here to kind of help. With the pandemic, voiceover artists with home studios are in high demand, and many are doing their first steps in setting up a professional home studio. I talked to two different voiceover artists whose broadcast quality home studios have been up and running long before the lockdown happened. I'm sure you will be interested to hear about their journeys of setting up a home studio. First to tell us about his professional home setup is the award-winning voice actor Mark Rice. I think it's interesting, Yuli, of what you say, because an awful lot of people who just worked in external studios when the pandemic hit kind of went, oh my God, what do we do now? There, there is no work. We can't go to studios. And those of us who've been working from pro home studios for five, six, seven, 10, 12 years are all going, well, this is what we do 90% of the time. A trip into London to an external studio is a day out for me these days. It's not my core business. So what was your journey of setting up your home recording studio? Okay, so when I moved house and I moved to Bicester in Oxfordshire just over five years ago now, I was looking specifically for a place that either had a spare room inside or a kind of chalet, shed, garage, extra room that I could convert on the outside. And I was lucky enough to find this house, um, which had already like a Scandinavian style um, chalet, if you like, that was already kitted out because the people beforehand had used it as their office. So it already had the internet, it already had uh, electricity, it already had phone points already built in here and some soundproofing as well. So the, the actual building, I didn't have to do very much to at all. It was a question of move it in, but I did have a specific sound booth built. And it took a while, to be honest, Julia, it took a while of research of various different carpenters. And I put a kind of thing out on it on the internet on Facebook saying does anybody know anyone and I fortunately a, a colleague of mine who I'd worked with at Bid TV 
um, his dad was a carpenter and they had made several booths for people. So they came and measured up and built me a bespoke booth, uh, which was great. My first generation of it, though, I had various different soundproofing tiles and everything, but I was getting a bit of reflection because I hadn't put uh, boom reflectors in into the corners. And as soon as I did that, and as soon as I changed some of the tiles so that they weren't all the same, actually the sound quality became much, much better. I'm going to zoom you on three years there because I was very happy with the sound. My clients were happy with the sound, but there was something still missing at that point. And it was a it was an external compressor, if you like. I put in a, a DBX286S uh, on the advice of several people, and suddenly I'm much happier with the sound. It's a much more rounded sound, and clients seem very happy with it. Fantastic. Do you mind to tell us what microphone you have decided to use for your voice recording sessions? When I went to the One Voice conference three years ago, so not the virtual one that's just happened, not last year, but the year before, I got chatting to the people um, from Lewitt. And I'd never come across Lewitt microphones before. And I asked if I could try one. And the guy who was there said, yeah, get in touch with me after the conference. And he sent me both a 440 and a 540 Sub-Zero to try. I didn't get on very well with the 440. I have to say, it didn't suit my voice for some reason. It's a great microphone. It didn't suit my voice. The 540, LCT 540 Sub-Zero, for me, works really well. And I think I get quite a nice rounded sound from it. And that's what we're talking through today. Katie Flemon is another award-winning voice artist whose professional recording setup at home has been in active use long before the pandemic. Katie, can you tell me more about your journey of setting up a home studio? How and when it began and what were the challenges that you had to face in the beginning? When I first started to think about doing voiceover, I didn't obviously have any kit or any equipment at all apart from a computer. It was in 2015 that I first started really thinking about it, maybe late 2014. And um, and I'd done a course at the showreel in London called, in, called I don't know, Introduction to Voiceover or or could voiceover be for you or something like that. And I had really good feedback from them and I thought, mm, okay. But obviously they set out all the things you needed to do voiceover. And one of the things that they really stressed was you need a home studio. A lot of people I come across now, um, actor background people, have never had a home studio because they've bounced around from studio to studio in Soho and things. But I didn't have an actor background. I didn't have any agent getting work for me or anything like that. I was completely cold. So I was took that on board and thought, okay, right, I need to learn how to do this. I need to get a studio. So I had some friends around for coffee, a couple of girlfriends. And my friend said, well, come on then, let's do it. Where, where, should, we, where should we do it? And we had quite a big coat cupboard closet for cl- for coats um, in my house with a sliding door and, and there were coats just kind of spread out across two halves of it. So I thought, right, okay, maybe we can turn one half into a recording booth. So we took all the coats out and shoved them in the other one and put some in the charity shop bags and had a sort out, moved the rail this all my friends and me on one kind of one afternoon and <laughs> moved the rail to the front of the cupboard so that the cur- we could put a curtain across. And it was really small. I couldn't stand up in there, but I could sit down. And then I ordered online some acoustic foam tiles and a mic stand. There was nowhere to have a 
clipping on mic because I was basically in a small cupboard. So I had a stand on the floor and a stool. Wow. <laughs> um, and I just got a very basic kit from Amazon, Rode NT1A microphone and a, sta- and a mic stand and a little audio interface, um, Focusrite Scarlet audio interface. And I plugged everything in and then the cables came out of the coat cupboard and kind of went round the corner into the hallway where I rigged up a desk and plugged into my computer round the side. So when I was in my booth, there was no computer in there. There was no way to actually see any copy unless I held it in my hand. So I had a little clippy light. There was there was a power socket that was used to have the doorbell plugged into it. <laughs> so so yeah. So I was set up in my little tiny cubby hole and it sounded a bit boxy because it was basically a big box. But yeah. it was pretty good. Um very creative. Unless, well <laughs> it was just make do and I thought, okay, I haven't really lost anything apart from a few hundred pounds on the kit. It didn't cost very much at all. I reckon I spent maybe 300 quid altogether on cables and mic stand and mic and stuff. Funny enough, I do have the same kit at the moment. (laughs) There you go. Yeah, so it's not a big big outlay. And I just thought, okay, I might as well give it a try because I had nothing to lose. I wasn't working at the time. I was doing lots of charity work. My children were small. I'll just see how it goes. And as long as nobody went in the kitchen, went upstairs, flushed the toilet, ran a tap, turned the dishwasher on, <laughs> did any vacuuming, it was completely fine. So I did a lot of recording late at night and early in the morning to start with. But my husband was obviously at work. The kids were at school and preschool then. Um, no, actually school. They were both at school by then. So yeah, um, that was my first studio. And I used And it later for... on, you did the upgrade. Yes, yes. So we had a building that was outside of our house that was quite dilapidated. The person who used to live in our house used to be, he was a scientist and it was his lab. And there was this building that we'd filled up with bikes and junk and stuff, basically old tents. And it was just like a shed. We decided that it would be a good place to to make good and make sound. And it became part of it anyway, became my recording studio so we had a big building project to redo the roof and literally strip it out from start to finish so my my actual studio building is separate from the house and the room where I'm in the moment it was purpose-built to fit my booth we moved walls around in order that should we ever move this booth could be dismantled and taken out of here piece by piece and that was two and a half years ago I think it's an Esmono sound booth that was installed by Studio Spares. I'm not a DIY person and neither is my husband. And so some booths you can get ready made, but you have to put them together. And I was just like, no, please, please, can somebody bring it and fit it up for me and build it? So that's what we did. And it was expensive. It was really expensive. But it's a great investment. It really is. It really, really is. Because you can have the best microphone in the world, but... I could not have functioned from my coat cupboard during the lockdown because that's where my family were. And I was using the Wi-Fi. Um, and I'm so lucky to be able to to go to work, albeit 20 steps from my house, and come in here and it's I love my booth very much. It's got a window in it and a window in the door so I don't feel enclosed. I can stand up. I can wave my arms around. It's It's... 
just been a, a tremendously good investment. Yeah. Is recording from home going to replace entirely the work that can be done in other professional recording studios? I don't think so. Because recording remotely from home can be an isolating and lonely experience compared to when you go to studio and work with clients, producers, sound engineers, agents. The energy is different. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's actually why a lot of clients still prefer to have me in a studio with them. And I completely get that, particularly if it's if it's a, a, a video game or an animation or something. They want you there. They want to see your face. They want to interact with you on, a, on the very, very fundamental level rather than with the barrier. Even though technology is incredible, what we can now do, it's sometimes just you just need to be there in the room. Feel that atmosphere. However convenient and practical it is to have a home recording setup, especially now, working in a professional recording studio is an experience that can achieve results far beyond that of our home setups. And let's not forget about the sound engineers. This part should not be overlooked, as professional engineers not only know the room and gear, but have skill sets that we, the voice artists, not always possess. And don't forget that they also speed things up. Before we wrap it up, I have one last question to ask one of Chatterbox Voices managing directors, Camilla Luxton. Why home recording studios will never replace the conventional audio recording studios? And how Alchemy Post Studios can help their clients? Great questions, Julia. Here in London, UK, there were historically two clubs of voice artists. The ones who would be booked through agencies and attend sessions in recording studios downtown and the voice artists who would mainly work from their home studios. COVID-19 has effectively merged these two practices. Here at Chatterbox Voices, our studios, Alchemy Post, are quite spacious and we have managed to keep them open with stringent measures in place and with clients and producers and directors attending the sessions remotely. During lockdown, we have reached out to our clients with tech support and our brilliant sound engineers have managed to find great workarounds so that we can offer remote solutions such as podcast recordings. And at the same time, our engineers have worked very hard to offer technical support to our voice artists to help them get professional home setups in place. And we have also started new working relationships with other professional voices in territory who are experienced and equipped with home studios. So in a way, COVID-19 has enabled us to connect across borders globally in a way we weren't able to do before. Now, moving forward, I believe the new normal will be a bit of both. Whereas there seems to have been a general acceptance of audio quality that is not perfect during lockdown, judging by some of the radio ads being played out to the moment, it gets tiring on the ear in the long run. So I therefore think the world will want to move back to audio quality of the highest caliber, whether this is recorded at a home studio or a conventional sound recording studio. For all audio productions, the creative process is key, and so is human interaction. Whereas it's possible to achieve this process to some degree, I would say, in a home studio with directors and producers attending remotely, I would argue that professional sound recording studios, such as ours, would always be the best arena for this creative process. Being able to work together in a creative setting, feeding off the energy, makes the artistic process so much more organic. And after months of social distancing, we are all so hungry for that human connection. 
And when we interact with people, it really shows in the voice. There is a genuine immediacy and authenticity in the voice that will connect with audience on a whole different level. And another real bonus is, of course, that with an engineer and a producer or director in the control room, the voice artist doesn't need to self-direct, self-produce and self-engineer. The voice artist can simply enjoy bringing the written text to life in their own unique way. So to conclude, I would argue that whereas home studio recordings offer a great additional value to the audio production process, they will never replace the professional audio recording studios such as ours here at Chatterbox Voices. I hope this podcast gave you more insight and inspiration into how to set up your home recording studio. My full chat with Mark Rice and Katie Flamen will be available to listen to in the next upcoming episodes of this podcast. So stay tuned if you want to learn more about their exciting journeys of becoming the successful and award-winning voice actors day after day. Thank you for listening.